lots of lousy businesses. And there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job over the years has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio. From the AM640 studios in Toronto. With Hi-Fi portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Good morning, Toronto, and thank you very much for listening to Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money and finance and some very interesting stuff that goes on. We had a great show lined up for you this morning. We are going to kick it off with a bond manager out of Boston named Tom Goggins. We got the top 10 errors people do with their financial planning. Mike Bellamy is going to join us. We're going to talk infrastructure, S&C, Lavalin, and Acon, and all the construction on those highways that's driving us nuts as we want to go to the cottage. Yuri Link, analyst Canaccord, is going to join us from Montreal. We're going to have my friend John Johnston back, chief strategist of Davis Ray, just to tell us which continents to place our chips. And, of course, with the new B.C. government in, who other than to talk oil than Rafi from Canoe Energy? We're then going to go back to New York, where Jason Mills is going to talk Healthcare with us, some very, very dynamic names there. And as a co-host, my favorite macro tourist, Kevin Muir, is going to help Jack and I out with today's show. So welcome to the show, Kevin, as well. Great to be and here. Jack, good morning to you, my good friend. Good morning, Wolfe. All right. So let's take it over to Boston. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't All right. Like to Just to get the day started with a little soft tune, Tom Goggins, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Wolfgang. How are you? I'm absolutely incredible on Saturday morning here, and we're talking bonds with you, my good friend. Tom, uh, you're in Boston, and you're a fantastic bond shop, shall I say, Manny Life, of course, uh, with their uh, fixed income offices in Boston. But how much money do you manage in the bond universe? Uh, we manage $35 uh, billion in U.S. dollars. Is strictly in fixed income, strictly in bonds? Yes, just uh, global fixed income. So we can buy any fixed income instrument on a global basis. $35 billion. My goodness. You know, you know, it's amazing, Tom, because that, that really is a big number. So let's put that into context. If you look at the TSE 60, the 60 largest companies in Canada, and you went down, Kevin, you might know this, Kevin Muir, of course, the macro tourist is here. If you went down that list of 60 companies, where would you stop when, t- until you hit $35 billion? It w- you wouldn't go down the list very far, I bet. Top six banks? They would probably stop the, there, then a, eh? Then a few, then a few. So, so you, Tom, you're big. Yeah, well, it, it, it helps out to have the size in the fixed income markets. It's uh, it's an advantage versus maybe in equities where being small is uh, perhaps a little uh, advantage being nimble. So, so, so in those that huge bond portfolio that you have there, Tom, do you have any uh, negative yielding bonds? No, we will not buy negative yielding bonds for two reasons. First, uh, we're not going to pay someone to take our money. That's Second, good. is if uh, things reverse, and you saw it in, uh, in Italy last year, um, and rates move up, you lose both on the on the yield side and the and on the depreciation side. So, uh, negative yielding bonds are just a disaster. Now, again, Tom, bonds, I, retail investors, I don't truly think appreciate the the importance of bonds 
why they should even own a bond and what a bond is and can do for a portfolio. So can you help out the audience and, and, and just give them the Coles Notes version as to why bonds belong in a portfolio, even in this interest rate environment? Yeah, I think it's really important in this uh, environment, Wolfgang, where a lot of people have watched Amazon and the Fang stocks take off uh, to balance. I love Fang stocks. I love those stocks, man. They're 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 oh, rocking, eh? But they're they're awesome. But, uh, but you need to also balance that with some fixed income uh, in your portfolio, because there'll be times where you have drawdowns in your in your equity portfolio, and that's when the bonds provide that buffer against that depreciation in your equity portfolio and so it's it's a you need to have that balance between equity and fixed income and obviously it moves as you get older um in your lifetime now tom i want to come back to you active management versus passive management uh you are an active portfolio management shop and but you don't just run fixed income you you do what's called a currency overlay but beyond that the sophistication of your portfolios i i think is massive if if you were someone to open up your portfolio and really drill down into your positions how many different holdings how many different countries how many different um types of bonds would your portfolio contain yeah that's that's a that's a great question you we're really fortunate because what we do cannot be etf and so what we've seen take place is large institutional clients Moving from passive, this is very interesting. Moving from passive fixed income to active fixed, which is uh, which is moving income. from ETFs to guys like you, exactly. Which is kind of the opposite of what's going on in equities, but that's what's taking place in fixed income because exactly what you t- touched upon is that we can invest in any country across the globe. Now we just avoid some countries like Venezuela, which is a disaster. But <laughs> you know, there's 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 real opportunities in some of these. Uh, emerging markets, and we can talk about that in a second. But there's probably about 20 to 25 different uh, subcategories within global fixed income from emerging markets, developed markets, preferreds, converts, you know, asset-backed securities. There's a whole host of, of opportunities and different couponing, different maturity. Some bonds go up when, when interest rates go up, and it, that's which is counter to what most people think, is that you want to be out of bonds when interest rates get going up. But there's cer- certain bonds that you can make money on. Hmm. In the interest of time, Tom, um, again, you're not just operating out of Boston. You have a network, do you not, uh, of offices that you uh, rely on to help you with different sleeves of your portfolios? Yeah, Wolfgang, I wish I could take uh, all the credit, uh, but there's actually over 100 people that support us throughout the Manulife network across the globe. We manage our portfolio 24 hours a day, six days a week. I'm in Boston, then we have a portfolio manager in Hong Kong, portfolio manager in London. So there's never a time that the portfolio sleeps. It's always being actively managed uh, through those three major time zones. And again, like I said, we have 12 offices in 10 different countries in Asia. So it's a quite a vast network and resources that are put to work on the portfolio. You, do, you deliver good value, Tom. I want to thank you for joining us on the show. I want to wish you a great weekend. Coming up next, top 10 mistakes people do with their financial plans. Shall we learn? Coming up next with Mike Bellamy. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 Studios in Toronto. For the love of money. 
Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM 640. Welcome back to the show. Back by popular demand. Big hit fella, Mike Bellamy, financial planner. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me back, Wolf. You were a big hit last week, Mike, uh, or two weeks ago, I should say, uh, when you presented that financial plan, save 100 bucks a month, increase it by 4%, start at age 30, and when you're 65, you'll have a Milski. Good stuff, simple stuff, it works. So yeah. what do you got for us today, Mike, in the world of FP? Well, today we're going to look at you know some common mistakes when it comes to estate planning. So the, the awful thing that nobody ever wants to talk about and nobody ever does talk about, which, you know, tends to lead to these common mistakes that we look at. So, you know, with dealing with a lot of clients, um, you know, our number one recommendation on about 90% of the financial plans that we do mm-hmm. is get a, get a will in place. 90% is, get, get a will. It is shocking how many people do not have a will. Now, the best question I want to ask you, Mike, is how many of those are lawyers who don't have a will? Quite a few ones. It's, it's true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, 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 Mike, Mike, you do financial plans for a lot of high net worth individuals. Are you telling me yeah. that high net worth individuals with lots of assets they've built up over the years, they're not planning uh, for what the uh, life beyond uh, beyond death? Is that what you're saying? No, yeah. no will. No will, or if they do have a will, it's about however old the children are. So it could be 20 years old. It could be 25, 30 years old. So, you know, a lot has changed in that time. Assets have changed and. You know, the first question I always ask them is, do you think your 21-year-old child can handle getting X dollars today? Right. And uh, typically the answer is no. So that leads to, so when I say 90% don't have wills, some of them have wills, but they're extremely out of date. Mm-hmm. And really that's, that's the key there as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's the second mistake you're seeing people make with their financial plans? Second biggest mistake is, in, is you know, treating beneficiaries equally in their mind, but actually due to tax consequences, they're unequally treating their beneficiaries. So, you know, big example we talk to a lot of clients is, you know, example of an estate of $3 million, let's say. Um, Client has three kids. They leave, obviously, a million dollars to each kid. So in the example... Well, that's their intention. That is their intention. That's their intention anyway. So the example we look at is there's a million dollar RSP, there's a million dollar house, and a million-dollar stock portfolio. Mm-hmm. Each of the million goes to each kid. The child with the RSP ends up with 500000 versus the million that the other two got left due to the fact that people forget about the tax consequences. So RSPs are taxed basically as if that million dollars is income that year, which puts them in the highest tax bracket, so the estate is going to be owing tax. On that RSP. So, sorry, Mike, I want to challenge you here a bit. Let's flip this yep. around here. If I designate my RSP to my child, they're going to receive that full RSP untaxed. It is the estate that has to pay the tax on that RSP. So, it would be the other yeah. beneficiaries getting short change, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, it could be either or. So, whoever it's in, you know, depending on who the beneficiary was of the RSP, the third child who has that uh, non registered portfolio is now losing half of their million dollars that they were supposed to be entitled to at that point. Correct. So, so there's obviously a simplistic example, but a lot of times people don't think about this when um, when they're looking at you know putting together beneficiaries and how they want the estate divvied up and that type of thing. Go mm-hmm. ahead. And what's the, what's the next common mistake, Mike? <laughs> the next common mistake is not talking to your beneficiaries and or your power of attorney, etc. So a lot of times people are 
shocked to learn that they are the power of attorney for somebody. They, or could you imagine a, a, appointing someone a power of attorney but not letting them know they want to be the power of attorney? And the yeah. irony is they, they can walk away from that appointment. So if, exactly. if I'm going to assume Jack is going to become my power of attorney, I croak, and then all of a sudden Jack gets noticed he's the power of attorney. And he says, well, if you're a pretty complicated guy, not, but you are in some ways, I don't want to do the job. Yeah, so that could be a problem. Executor. Yeah, the executor. So yeah, you, I guess before I, before I pass, Jack, would you be my power of attorney? Uh, communications key, I think, there, Wolf, just for for the fact that you need to even know where the assets are, how many assets you have, where are they, how are they structured, and what are your wishes with them? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah a, a good clean list of, of of all of your holdings. Uh, but then let's let's talk about this in terms of the beneficiaries. So, yeah, are you advising, Mike, that's a good idea to tell Johnny and Jill that they're each going to inherit a Milski? At a certain point, um, and that's where we you know, work with the client to determine when that point is. I also tend to suggest the you know, family cottages, for instance. They tend to be, you know, you may not need to discuss as much with them about, you know, if you have life insurance or how much your assets yeah. are worth, but that family cottage, oh boy. Yeah. It, it divides. Yeah, potential hornet's nest. They, they are. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it is, there always seems to be problems, and everybody, you know, there's always one one beneficiary who wants to sell and one that wants to keep or the children. And, and, and one that doesn't want to cut the grass. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Again, it's Cottage Weekend, my good friend. Uh, look, Mike, three great points. Um, you ain't getting far from us, pal. You want to keep us sharp and keep us well planned because you know what they say, Mike? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Hi-Fi Radio, AM640. All right. Notice some action on the highways lately, construction. We're going to ask Yuri Link why and for how much longer. And in fact, is this the big infrastructure spend that our prime minister promised would occur? Right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 studios in Toronto. Welcome back to Hi-Fi Radio. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM 640. To the show, John Johnston, Chief Strategist, Davis Ray, and of course, my friend Kevin Muir, writer, the macro tourist. Welcome back, John. Thank you. Pleasure to ple- be here. A real pleasure to have you. It's ironic uh, that four of us sitting here in the studios, Hi-Fi Radio, are ex-DS guys working at the Royal Bank one day, and so we all left the big bank and went our own ways, and yet radio brings us all together. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So, John, you've been on holidays, but I know that you never turn the markets off. Uh, anything catch your fancy of late? Not really. I, I, you know, I try to shut off when I'm away, but the first we, we were in Spain for almost three weeks, and a few observations is it's hopping there. Uh, Heard that from another client. Same thing in Spain. People are, love Spain and it's hopping. Things are booming. Yep. Good. Uh, not a lot of Americans, but people from everywhere else. Uh, must be booming in Japan. Lots of Japanese tourists. Hmm. And uh, one of the, you know, our first... That's a vote of confidence for global recovery. It is. It is. And uh, the first week we were there was Trump's big week before he went away when things really got bad. <laughs> and uh, I just looked at it and shook my head. And it, it one of the things that I've been grappling with is, you know, I th- you 
I believe we're in a long-term secular bear market for the Canadian dollar, reflecting the fact that we're in a long-term secular bear market for commodity prices. Uh, and I think the ultimate destination uh, of 55 cents is what equates to the secular low we saw in January 2002 when it hit 62 cents or something. And I think that the low we saw in, 19, in, in 2016, January, corresponds to the low we saw in early 1986. And I, in many ways, that's how I see it playing out. The thing I'm grappling, and, and so it suggests that the, secular, the U.S. dollar should be in a secular bull market. And I think that's probably the case. Uh, I've been expecting a cyclical recovery in Canada, a cyclical sell-off in the U.S., because we've had some big currency adjustments. But what I'm struggling with is I watch the U.S., and I remember being on TV the morning after the U.S. election, and everybody was just foaming at the mouth bullish uh, about Trump and how great the U.S. is, and it's, oh, it's the best place to be. And I'm looking at it, and I go, the trend I see in the U.S. is that they're becoming more like Venezuela, and Russia and China rather than this bastion of free market, rule of law, capitalism. And that worries me, and I'm not sure how it's going to play out yet, but one of the things I observed over in Europe uh, and watching the press reports of Trump's visit to Europe, luckily we weren't there at the same time, uh, is that it, America doesn't seem to carry the sway. And the news in Europe is a lot better than it was when Trump got elected, and the news in the U.S. doesn't look as good uh, as peop everybody thought it would be. So I think there's a lot of room for disappointment here, and maybe we get a nice pop in the Canadian dollar, mainly a pop in the European currencies, and the U.S. dollar maybe sells off a bit more. Sure, sure but, no, but, but my question then to you is, Kevin, uh, our, our macro tourist here, um, he wrote, I guess a week ago, that the shorts on the Canadian dollar, meaning people betting against the Canadian dollar hit record levels. Is that correct? That is historic. correct. Basically, the hedge funds and the speculative community, they're gaining up on Canada. They think that we have a housing bubble. They think that oil's going down. Everybody is leaning one way, which is short Canada. Do you worry about the fact that, you know, it's your your call of short Canada is a crowded trade? Oh, absolutely. And, and if anything, my view for the last little while has been, and once again, I'm kind of using that post-1986 period as a bit of a uh, historical precedent, is that you had a washout in the Canadian dollar in 2016. Uh, and I think that was a big low for maybe several years to come. You have this long secular trend, but you also have cycles around it. The Canadian dollar cycles with commodity prices. And one of the things, you know, we have a, we've had a really good rebound in the global economy. Maybe not as, as aggressive as the the, the consensus cycles. thinks, mm. but certainly it's been improving. Mm -hmm. I think maybe the best of the news is in there. That should be good for commodity prices in general, oil prices in particular. Uh, it should be good for the Canadian dollar. Uh, my concerns about the Canadian dollar longer term are housing and the fact that, you know, I'm not sure what Canada offers to the world. We have a really unbalanced economy of real estate, finance, and commodities. That's it. And that's it. Like, no, that's and, and all the big guys are fighting amongst themselves. Where do all the little economies like Canada fit in? Where does an economy like Canada fit in when maybe tariff barriers are going up? I think we could get crushed. So that's my longer-term concern. Mm -hmm. But I think it is a crowded trade. And I, th you know, and I think that's... Uh, crowded being the short, the Canadian dollar is a crowded and, trade. And, and, the, and, and the bullish, you know, the Fed raises rates, the U.S. dollar keeps soaring as a crowded trade on the other side. We've had a lot of adjustment in currencies. The U.S. dollar is expensive. A lot of currencies are really cheap. Uh, on kind of a more fundamentally weighted basis. So I think the, the surprise this year could be that the U.S. dollar is the weak thing. 
Yeah, it's funny because Jack's been thinking of late that the that the tech trade has become the crowded trade. Hey, eh, Jack, it's it's become somewhat of a safety trade. I think people are going into utilities, which are a bit up to nosebleed levels, and then you look at the Fang stocks that we talk about, which is and, and they're looking the at Facebook. The Amazon, Apple, and Google, yeah, yeah, and they're looking at those and saying, you know what, there's there's safety in here just because they they look at the technologies, they see the advertising around Google, they see the cash flows, and they, they think that they're safe. When honestly, technology is not really a safety trade. Yeah, um, it's it's John here. The um, it's interesting. I, I like to you know I'm an economist, so I get hung up on a lot of fundamentals. So Jack, I look Jack's at, an economist. I, I look at <laughs> I look at I'm val- a realist. <laughs> Kevin, you're a future trader. <laughs> I look at valuations, and you know when I look at the tech sector from a longer term longer term perspective, you know everything looks expensive now. Right. Tech is one of the most favorably valued areas. You've got you know. In terms of what? In terms of peg ratio, peg ratios, PE, everything like that. Yeah. In other words, they're expensive on a PE ratio, but they got growth to support. Well, even then, I don't think on a relative. I don't think they're that expensive on a PE ratio. You know, some some, like Amazon is somewhere, but I look at the technology sector in the U.S. Fourteen times. Yeah, and these are good big blue chip companies. I know. Big balance sheets. They're going to weather. You know, we're getting late in the cycle. How late we don't know, but when. Stuff happens, you know. Those companies are going to be around at the end of the day, right? Now, look, you're talking about a sec. You're becoming secular bearish on uh, commodities, JJ, which means secular means long term. We're talking over a decade, decade or more. Look, coming up next, we got Rafi. Rafi is my man when it comes to trading oil because. Coming up, following Rafi, we're going to be talking about the medical sector, which is the most complex in my world. Almost as complex as is, is, is the commodity landscape. I don't understand assay results. I don't do seismic drilling. Uh, and as such, I leave it to the pros. So if you want to learn about oil, stay tuned. Listen to Rafi. And JJ is going to talk with him, as is Kevin, as to where we go with crude from here right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 studios in Toronto. And there's no telling who that it's naming. Was a loser now will be later to win for the times they are changing. Wakey, wakey. Little Bob Dylan to set the mood. Rafi Tamazian is on the line. Canoe Energy Oil Money Manager Extraordinaire in the Wolfman's Books. Welcome to the show once again, Rafi. Thanks, man. Appreciate being on. Yeah, we got a panel here for you. It's, as Jack said, it's a four-on-one because you're so sharp and strong, you know what you're doing. So, uh, yeah, John Johnson's going to pipe in or Kevin's going to ask you a couple of questions perhaps here. But uh, really, the times are changing. Uh, in British Columbia, they got themselves a coalition government. So first question, how do you feel about that as an oil manager? Well, I mean, it's just it's kind of like when you get hit with a bat. <laughs> Three or four times in the last three years, one more time, it doesn't really. I mean, you're already down on the ground, unconscious, and and really, is one more shot going to make a difference? And 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 I mean, it kind of is partly tongue in cheek, but I, I mean it for real. We're since the the NDP were elected in in Alberta back in the spring of 2014, uh, um, the Canadian image globally has been. Uh, all of our policy uh, suggestions and now legislation are driving towards an anti-energy policy. So you're asking me as an energy manager, how do I feel? Um, I I don't have... Uh, uh, we, we haven't been given any kind of help uh, 
and it's been nothing but problems. Oh boy! Yeah, are you going to be an energy manager in ten years, Rafi? Quick, quick answer to that. Well, so so this <laughs> is very no because I'm very, setting it up because I'm setting it up for you because JJ uh, from Davis Ray is, is, is very bearish on the entire commodity landscape. He thinks we're in a secular bear market, uh, which doesn't bode well for the Canadian dollar. Which JJ says could fall to what? JJ fifty-five cents. Fifty-five cent. Uh, Kevin, how do you feel about that fifty-five cent number? I think it's a little um, out there. He's a, I, th- yeah. I think he's out there too. But JJ's yeah. entitled to his out there opinion. You know, he is a Grateful Dead fan after all. Uh, but Rafi likes Bob Dylan, so you know. So, yeah, so, I, so I mean, see, fifty-five cents. Let's not see numbers. Let's not pick a number. But directionally, is the Canadian uh, currency in jeopardy of further weakness? I'd say yes, because our economy is driven by resources. And our governments running the country and the province are anti-resource. <laughs> and so wow. you, they are not making themselves accountable for the gap that occurs in the interim. We're that- going to diversify. It takes decades to create new industries that generate the, economy, the, 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 the money to, to grow our GDP. It took 30 years to create the, the industry of energy that had such a material impact on the growth of our economy in Canada. And so this, this small special interest group attitude and this, this word social license everybody uses, it's created this inability for us to be functional when we vote. A vote no longer matters because the governments, the new governments that are being elected in this social regime are saying we don't we will you know Trudeau said it himself we will create policy but the community will make the decision whether they want to do it or not community that's like having a hundred people on a board and trying to make a decision you will never make one mm-hmm. so, so, so we are in quicksand and we're sinking so Rafi uh, it's Jack here so the new BC government they have a stated goal of blocking the the Trans Mountain pipeline uh, can they do that it's been fairly approved as far as I know um, do, do you see it being blocked. Yeah, so uh, I say that with the current government, the federal government, he has to demonstrate that he can be a leader. And, and I think that you can demand that this can happen. It's just it can't not happen. But the, uh, that's what I believe. But I'm, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, right. and that's going to have to debate. So that means delays, mm-hmm. more delays, which is not bode well for us from a Canadian perspective of the global market deciding to stop shorting us and in fact turn around and start buying us. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what, what delays is... are in store for this while the debate goes on, uh, and, and it could, because of these buffoons right. <laughs> operate. Think about it. These two parties suddenly have a meeting and go, hey, you know what, you're really cool. So for, for a year, they start to build their opposition to each other to battle in an election. Mm-hmm. They meet right. for two weeks and find out that they actually have a lot in common? Do you want people operating your business, your, 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 your province, which is effectively a business, that didn't figure that stuff out ahead of time? You can tell it's special interest that is driving the bus on that decision and not in the best interest of the constituents, and you should be very scared as a BC resident. But uh, now, now, Rafi, and, and JJ, you can help me with this thing here. Um, capital flows. Canada is receiving net capital inflows, correct? Yes. Maybe no, hold that thought. But in terms of oil flows, Rafi, I would suggest oil money is leaving Canada, correct? You want to know what's worse is we only sell it to the U.S. We only have one buyer. When you only have one buyer, who has the control on the price? Yeah. 
the buyer. Yeah. And the global market, no one has control, so it tends to trade at a, a more of a premium. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the purpose of the Trans Mountain, is that correct, Rafi, to get it to the, uh, the global the markets? Global markets and get a better price. But just a minute, the U.S. is now exporting oil. They've, they've started exporting because they've been given the permission to do it, and they mm-hmm. actually started doing it. And they're trading their oil at the higher prices when they can out there. Mm-hmm. So you could theoretically say our oil goes into the U.S. cheap, and then they sell it more expensive, and they capture the profit, not yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, folks, you've been learning about oil. We're going to keep learning about oil because it matters a lot to Canada. We're going to move from oil to healthcare as we go back to New York. Jason Mills, Canaccord analyst. We're going to cover some healthcare stocks and get real scientific right after this, son. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 studios in Toronto. Welcome back to Hi-Fi Radio. If you have any questions about today's show or financial questions you need answered, go to WolfgangKlein.com. And now back to the show. Here's Wolfgang and Jack. Welcome back for our last segment of Hi-Fi Radio. Joining us on the phone from San Francisco is Jason Mills, analyst with Canaccord. Covers off some very, very interesting and almost scientific or sci-fi, shall I say, companies, Intuitive Surgical. I know it as the ISRIG. That's just the ticker symbol. Uh, but Intuitive Surgical manufactures the Da Vinci robotic system. Um, so we're going to talk to him about that as well as other companies he's very, very keen on, Edward Life Sciences. Uh, so welcome to the show, Jason, and share with us what is taking place in your space. Thanks, Wolfgang. Thanks, Jack, for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. So, you know, medical technology is always an interesting space. It, um, it, it shifts around in terms of the sectors that are most interesting. Right now, um, you mentioned Edwards Life Sciences. That's our top pick in large-cap medtech land. Um, they, they've been pioneers in um, developing heart valves that you can deliver through a catheter, which is, uh, I, I suppose, using your words earlier, somewhat signed. Uh, high, high-fi, sci-fi, if you will. Sorry, um, so I want to interrupt and, you right uh, there. For, for, sorry, Paul, Jason. I just want to interrupt right there. So heart valve through a catheter. Does that mean that basically you're going up through a vein in your leg and into your heart? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's an artery, to be precise, but um, it, it's uh, going exactly the way that you described it, through the leg. And once you get to the, the heart, it will uh, it'll, it's deployed um, through a, a catheter, Edwards' version is it expands it vis-a-vis a balloon, uh, and um, it, you know it's shown to have superior results to actually to surgery in uh, high-risk and intermediate-risk patients. So, uh, fairly cool. It's expanded the uh, the number of patients we've treated uh, that have heart valve disease, aortic heart valve disease, significantly over the last, I guess it's six years now since it was approved in uh, in the United States. Uh, it's on its way to being a $5 billion global market, which in med tech is fairly big. Um, you know, in, in pharma, you know, they could, those $5 billion markets, uh, I wouldn't call them a dime a dozen, but there's certainly more of them than there are in med tech. So when you find one, sort of hang on. Um, Edwards is in one. Intuitive Surgical is, uh, is sort of a monopoly uh, in, in the robotic space. And 
Uh, I think eventually it'll be, you know, it, it, multi, it'll be a $5 billion market. I think it'll take uh, a little longer than it's taken Edwards and the transcatheter valve market to get there, but it'll get there. Um, and uh, you, you probably have me on because you, you saw my, my recent downgrade of intuitive surgical, which I guess to some extent is uh, sort of conflicting with, uh, with what I'm saying. This is going to be, you know, this is a big market that's growing, but, um, by the by, the same token, the reason for our downgrade is you know sometimes stocks reach a price that the risk reward is just not favorable for new money, and that's kind of where we are, at least for uh, um, the current present time for intuitive surgical. You, you, you know what our problem is as a Canadian? We got companies like Valiant. Uh, we, we have no medtech. We have no pharma. We have nothing in Canada. You want some oil? We have discount. We got some of that for you, Jason. And you know um, John Johnson's in the studio with us. And John, you like. Uh, pharma, you're, you're supportive of the healthcare theme, but you find the same challenges obviously I find. You can't buy it in Canada, and so we look to, I think, the best market in the world is your market, Jason. I love the American equity market. The the, the companies that you have created in your great country, um, they're remarkable. You go on the web and you see just how the depth and the breadth of these businesses that are created in America, fantastic. But I think, JJ, you like these businesses because they have global reach from a revenue point of view. So, um, Jason, your names, what kind of footprint are they developing, for example, in Europe, in Asia? And are they actually going as far as emerging markets with their wares? Yeah, so um, in the cardiovascular space, um, which is a broad term for anything that's associated with the plumbing or, your, or the electricity with respect to your, your cardiovascular system, your heart, your, your, your peripheral arteries, all of that, um, a lot of those companies are global. Intuitive Surgical on the robotic side, um, doing surgery vis-a-vis a robot uh, is global as well. But How many countries? Um, not so much in emerging markets. Um, oh. Europe, yes. Uh, it's early in Europe. It's early in Japan. It's very early in China. So lots of growth um, available. Lots uh, of growth more, in front of the company. More established in the United States. Yeah, you could say that. It's also very expensive technology. Of uh, course, the procedures are more expensive than if you were to do them uh, using tools that are held by the hands of a physician. Uh, and in general, um, in medical devices and, and, and procedures in the hospital. Europe is much more um, price-sensitive, uh, cost-conscious, if you will, than the United States. Um, so they tend not to adopt... Um, it's, it's, that, that's really hard to preach. No, sorry, sorry, Jason. It's hard to preach what you just said there. Um, I apologize. It's hard to preach what you just said there, knowing the amount of rhetoric over Obamacare and, and, and Trump and the, and, and the, the fur that has been flying uh, over health care. It's amazing because America, you, you spend more money on health care as, as a nation than any other nation on Earth. Isn't that correct, Jack? Uh, I think by far and away they do. Wolf. Right. It's, 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 it's and they also develop the technology, too. They develop it, and then they pay more for it. That's, that's true, isn't it? It's unbelievable. What do, you, what do you think of that, Jason? Yeah, no, there's no question. Uh, the healthcare system is um, is not optimized at the present time. Um, so, so, Jason, you know, look, I, I, in, 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 give us give us one sound bite. Sorry, Jason, I'm having a bit of trouble hearing you here. I apologize. Yeah, we, we got we got about a minute left here. So, again, what's really really interesting that the, the audience is going to scratch their head when you tell them right now about your space that's taking place. Well, I, I think that um, medical devices, um, if you look um, and find where the growth is currently, you're still in the first inning, second inning, and some very, very um, huge market opportunities. I'll give you one um, that, that really isn't on the radar screens of 
investors globally. I think some in the United States have dug into it, but still very early. It's treating stroke. Um, there are what 800,000 strokes uh, that occurred in, uh, that occur in patients in the United States every year, and only about 20,000 procedures are done to go and get that clot out of the brain. And hmm. now we do it vis-a-vis a catheter. Um, and so um, you can, you, the, the, the outcomes for these patients are, um, are, are, have proven in recent clinical studies to be so much better than if you just give a patient a drug when they come into the hospital to try to dissolve that clot. So what we're seeing is you're really- So, so more, than, more than an aspirin. Treatment. Yeah, more than an aspirin, more than a, 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 actually a toxic drug they used to give them. They, uh, was it, was it what, warfarin? They've augmented that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, called T, it's called TPA. It's TPA. Similar. You know, yeah, Jason, you, your space, I don't know how you do it, because did you have a science background? No, not, I, I got an economics degree from Yale University. So, so to parlay economics like into, into the field of science, because it, it's a very, very difficult space. You, you write very, very articulately about it. You're very good at what you do, and I want to thank you for joining us uh, and helping out our audience learn a little bit more about medtech and, and, and the innovation of science. Real pleasure to have you. That's it for this week's show, folks. It's been an absolute showstopper. I want to thank you for joining us, brothers and sisters. And until next week, you have been listening to Hi-Fi Radio. May you live long and prosper. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. For the podcast of today's show, go to 640Toronto.com. New shows every week. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.